Hey, podcast listeners. I want to welcome you to this special edition of the Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast. We're beginning a new phase of this podcast, this episode, and the next three will all be a part of a course on starting small groups. I want to invite you to be part of this course, which can be found on our website. You can move through the course at your own pace or as part of a group. These episodes would be just one portion of the resources available to help start or restart your small group ministry. In this first episode, we're having back to the podcast Reverend Brad Kalajanin, who is the author of the primary booklet resource for this course, How to Start Small Groups. This is available as a free PDF on our website. Brad is the founding pastor of Cornerstone United Methodist Church back in 1990. Cornerstone is a multi-site church in Michigan. His wife is Colleen. He's got two grown children, Kaylee and Ben, son-in-law Mitch, and a granddaughter, Avery Joy. And so that, let's roll into the interview. Well, Brad, I want to say thank you again for your willingness to join me and for your willingness to, to write the booklet that we're going to be using for this course, How to Start Small Groups, Growing Larger by Acting Smaller. I know this is going to be helpful for so many churches and people. And so I want to begin with a pretty, I think it's somewhat of a simple question, but it's one that needs expanding upon. It's not as intuitive as perhaps it appears at first. And that question is, are small groups really that important? You know, thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting me uh, to be part of this podcast. Uh, in, in Cornerstone's life, and uh, which has been uh, many years for me, I've been here 29 years, I've watched the not only the birth of small groups, but also the development and uh, watched the church go through various stages. Uh, for us, uh, small groups is, is not just really another program. It is how we do church. Mm. Um, we really want people, I mean, it serves so many purposes, and we'll get into that in a second, but it is really one of our main discipleship focuses mm-hmm. for people to uh, learn how to be in community. They have to learn how to, I think it's important for a person to learn how to uh, receive love from other people and also mm-hmm. give love. It's really two way street. And then uh, we really encourage all of our groups to be in some kind of a study. Mm-hmm. There needs to be a prayer component. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes we'll share church information through the small group system. Uh, So there's many different components. Many of our groups also serve together and they'll go out and do uh, various kinds of serving projects in and out of the church. So we see it as uh, a touch point of discipleship. It's part of our discipleship framework, as we call it. Um, Mm, Yeah, I like that. Instead of path, we don't use the word path. We use framework. Yeah, I like that. For a lot of different reasons. So Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, th- I, I can go with that language. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, so let's uh, fill that out a little bit. I mean, I, and you've named most of this, but just to, to be as explicit as we can, the, the roles that small groups fill, one is pastoral. And, I, and I, I liked how you said that, that it's, it's not just intuitive. People need to learn how to be loved. Um, some people do that in codependent ways, <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. which is usually not fun for anybody. Um, but learning how to receive love um, in healthy ways. Um, teaching, you name that, right? That in small groups we're yep. formed. Absolutely, yeah. We're formed uh, to, to encounter who God is and we're right. formed to encounter God and others. And one of the unique Wesleyan parts of a small group is accountability, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's there in small groups that we can confess. It's in small groups that people can hold us accountable and you know, our, 
are you praying? Are you, how are you growing? How are you doing these things? That's, that's important. And community, knowing that we have a place where we belong, right? I think the, the vision for me that I've, uh, you've held up, and I know others as well have held up, is the idea that when someone's in crisis, it's the small group that hears about it and responds prior to uh, the paid professional yeah, or the, the pastor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then as you also named mission, right? We can do mission together. Yeah. And then communication. I, I didn't have that down originally. I think that's important uh, in terms of communication, especially a, a large church like you're at. Yeah. Let, let me give you one a quick example. Please. Uh, I've been in a number of small groups over the years. Um, the one we're in now, we were invited into, which is kind of fun because mm -hmm. um, I'm toward the end of my ministry career. And uh, we were invited into a group of almost all 30-year-olds. Mm. And so our group is all millennials and with small young children. And it's so much fun. Um, yeah. Most of them did not have a consistent pattern of being in church. And what I've witnessed over the last year and a half is each one of them, the accountability aspect of just being in group together uh, on a weekly basis. And they chose to be weekly. They chose to get childcare. They pay for their own childcare. It's amazing, really, the commitment from almost semi to non-church people mm. who came together because of friends of friends of friends of friends. And um, the accountability has, I, now I look for them every Sunday. I know mm. almost all of them are going to be at the 930 service, you know, and there's going to be consistency. And that, that's just really changed the course of their families. Mm. And without any kind of direct preaching about it, it's just been the accountability of a small group did that. So Yeah, that's great. I think one of the things you're naming there is just how life-giving it is to be a part of a small group. I mean, it, it's one of those deep desires w within us that we may not always know we need. Um, but when we experience it, we hunger for it, right? As you were saying, we look forward yeah. to it. It's not a, I have to go to small group and, but I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to, to be loved and know, know that I'm loved. And yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, we have a, we have a guy that's got a past criminal record and he's still in and out with some of the things, things he, things he pulls mm. and he, he, he's deeply committed to it. It's amazing. And when he gets off track, he says, I know I need to get back to group because mm. they'll get me back on track. And it's pretty cool. See yeah. How that works. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're offered abundant life, right? Yeah. That's not, that's not something that happens all on our own, but it happens right. in relationship. Yeah. Right. Very cool. So let's talk a little more about the role of small groups at Cornerstone. Uh, you write in your booklet that it, for you, uh, it was when you saw the spirit of grumpiness in the congregation that you noticed the need for small groups. Can you say a little more about that? I can. Yeah. I noticed it. Um, I, I, I planted the church and I didn't uh, really have much background in small groups before that. I didn't go to any trainings. Uh, there wasn't much talked about back in 1990, but mm. when we planted the church, we grew to about 180 to two. We were just breaking the 200 kind of barrier. And that's, that's when I noticed this, what I have labeled the spirit of grumpiness. And I thought, what is going on? Because things are actually going well. I mean, we're having good worship and, you know, neat programs, all kinds of stuff, kids' activities. Why are people so irritable? And, it, and I think it really dawned on me at that time that we were getting to the point where if a church grows to the 200-ish uh, range, you will not be able to know everybody's name. Yeah. 
And there's that sadness that comes in people when they, you know, some churches go to two services and then they can't see everybody or uh, that sort of thing. And it, it, it finally it dawned on me, it's more of a question of we just can't know everybody. So then I began a different message. I changed the way I was talking about our, our mission, that our, our mission really is to help people know Jesus. It's not our mission to know everybody's name. Yeah, good. But what we do need to know is some people's names and, and know them deeply. And so that's when we launched actually our first small group. I still remember it very well. It was about 25 people. And when it came to the end of the study we were doing, they were begging to stay together. And so we broke into two groups after that. Hmm. So uh, well, what, it, what it did was calm down the spirit of grumpiness because hmm. people knew some people well enough. They really were willing to give up. We don't need to know everybody. And then we could grow. Interesting. Yeah, that's, yeah, what occurs to me in that is intimacy, right? There was a, right. yeah. uh, we, uh, we have a certain intimacy and it seems broken, but then you restored that intimacy through small groups. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, and I, and I would say that's true, you know, whether your church is 50 people, 30 yeah. people, right? That small groups are still needed and viable for yeah. helping people to experience intimacy in, in a good, healthy way. That Yeah, that's, and, it, and, it's, and as you're also naming, it's easy for us to get distracted, right? I mean, there's all sorts of good ministry things that can happen in a church's life. But we can get focused on those as opposed to the central vision of connecting people to Christ. So I, yeah, that, that's very helpful. And so I want to build on that just for a minute and, and that the goal isn't just simply connection and, and the way we often think of connection in a digital way, uh, perhaps is not as quite as helpful that really the goal is community, right? That it's not even just simply assimilation. It's not even the goal, right? But the goal is that people experience genuine, challenging, nurturing accountability and community, right? Yeah. To this higher level of community that to me, it's really the, the church is one of the few places that if not the only, perhaps the unique way where all those things come together in a small group. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's very helpful. Um, I think connection and assimilation are okay beginning goals. Yeah, true. Honestly, small groups help you close the back door. You know, people come yeah. and go, and especially in this culture. They're always on the move. Mm. And um, knowing somebody else makes a huge difference. And having to, you know, show up at the Sunday night small group meeting says you probably won't leave that church right away. Yeah. So that it's okay to begin that way. But deeper community, of course, uh, is what you hope happens. And we teach our small groups some methods of how to make that happen faster because typically mm. it'll take a longer time, but mm -hmm. you can spend the first few weeks sharing stories and give them, we have a, I have a tool that I use to help people share their story that will make an instant bond almost with people. And it's, you'll get through that, you know, that surfacey stuff really fast. Uh, not that your goal is to get real intimate or anything like that, but just knowing each other's stories is is powerful it's a powerful tool in developing community yeah which which speaks to a few things right that um curriculum isn't the end all be all yeah. right that much more important are the relationships that yeah. are built and and how we disciple one another um, regardless of what curriculum we may or may not use that those 
bonds and the and it takes time to build those trust and that's helpful to, to know that you've got some some tools to help people push past that surface level that I think would be uh, I don't know if intuitive is the word, but the, the way people would most likely experience yeah. a small group yeah. is on that surface level, unless you yeah. push. That's right. Some groups will stay at that surface level for a long time. Yeah. 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 Good. So let's say then a little more about small groups, not just being another program of the church, but how you tie small groups into the overall discipleship framework, as you say, of the church. Yeah. yeah. We, we find uh, one of the best ways to launch small groups. Um, of course, we're open all the time for new groups to start, and we encourage it all year long, but we really focus on it in the fall, sometimes also in the winter. Um, seems like an ideal time. And uh, coming up this fall, we're going to have another launch. We did it last year. Um, we'll write a sermon series for five or six weeks. And then some of our people will write curriculum for small groups. And, and then for about six weeks prior to it, we'll, we'll, we'll say it from the front over and over and over. You got to get in a group. You got to get in a group. We're going to try Give it a six-week trial, you know, to give it a test run. Um, and then our goal, of course, is before the end of the six weeks is to encourage every group to keep going and have an, something, the next step for them to do mm. together. So. But uh, last year, literally hundreds, hundreds of people, we went from, we added probably 35 new groups just in the fall because of the wow. altar study. So wow. Some of them fall away, but you're still, uh, you're still more than you started with, you know. Well, there's intention to it. Yeah. Right. And, and I really like ma matching what happens in worship with the small group that there's a, a way to go deeper. There's a way that those experiences are not fragmented, but they're building on one another. So exactly. yeah, that's, yeah, that's really, really helpful and, and important. Um, yeah. So let me, um, I'll, let me, let's say a few more words then about um, how countercultural really, and I think you're kind of getting at this being a part of a small group is because in our culture, it's all about, uh, well, people like to proclaim how busy they are, <laughs> um, and it's just about their own needs, right? And it, and what we're asking people, inviting people into, really, is not just a small group that meets another individualistic need, right? But really, we're inviting people to experience the life that God has for us, and that is we were made for community, right? We see that, that God is Trinitarian, and that we're made to experience Christ through one another, right? Christ was in the flesh, and we experience Christ in the flesh through others. Um, and so this is really a countercultural invitation we're giving. Do you want to add any more to that, or does that spark anything in you, Brad? Yeah, I think you're ex exactly right. God, God is a small group when you think about it, and, um, and, and that's how we were designed. Um, I just think it's so important. I, you know, it's really hard to, to share with someone the benefit of it, but when I look back over our almost 30 years of ministry here at Cornerstone, maybe that represents five or six small groups that met for you know two or three years each, that sort of thing. Um, I don't know how many exactly. Our best friends in life mm. have been people we've shared life together with, mm. even for three or four years, you know, before the group 
maybe multiplied or something. Um, my doctor, people that have worked in my house, you know, people, all those friendships that, that even carry on into the kind of people that you utilize in your life. Yeah. Um, have come from small groups and uh, our, again, it's our best friends. And, you know, when, when, unless a person's willing to make that commitment and just say, I'm, I'm going to give this a try. Um, not every small group gels. And I think right. it's important to know some of them just oddball personalities and it's, it's not the best thing, but you don't give up on the, on the community or the process. You try some, some another one, you try a different one, you know, but it's, it's just so important. Um, I think one thing I would say is if churches that are listening to this, if, if they're a, a larger church like ours, um, for us, it, it is one of the only ways to keep connecting people, to keep helping people to experience community so they're not walking into a worship, walking out, walking in, walking out. Mm. Really experience life. In a smaller church that's a one or two cell church, sometimes they don't see a need for small groups. Mm-hmm. And they actually oppose it because <laughs> they yes. say, we know what's everybody here. We <laughs> know if Joe's going to the hospital, we know yeah. if he's having surgery. The truth is they don't know each other deeply. Hmm. They know things about their lives. They don't really, haven't really experienced the deeper life of Christ with each other. And they really need the same thing. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I think you're spot on that. We're not going to experience the same level of intimacy, the same level of, growing deeper with one another without the, that intention of a small group. Yeah. Coffee hour is not going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, and as you say, right, it's all, it's, if we're really about disciple making, yeah. Yeah. You no know, worship's not enough. Just, just no matter how great the preaching is, no yeah. matter how great exactly. the band is. Right. Exactly. I mean, we, we've got to have another uh, I mean, arena. Yeah. Engagement with other people, engagement with the word, engage, learning how to pray. Every group I've been in, people have started out by saying, we don't pray out loud. <laughs> and after four or five weeks, you know, because you can take them through some simple steps. Yeah. Now, the 30-year-olds I'm in group with, they're some of the most unpraying people ever are the first ones to jump up and say, okay, let's all get up and hold hands and pray. And every one of them prays before we leave. Mm. And, and it's just really been a growth process. Um, but it's kind of cool to watch them develop. So, yeah, that's great because you're right. That is such a fear, right? That we're yeah. I'm going to get into a small group and they're going to make me pray. Yeah. Right. I mean, that is amazingly the biggest fear yeah. people have, and that's that's a we're not going to ask that, and b we're going to help you do that. Like we're going to help learn you. how to do that simply. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. what a gift, right? To teach someone yeah. how to pray to God with confidence, and and yeah. then with their kids with their family where it's you know they don't always have to look to the pastor and say will you pray for us or will yeah. you do right but that we're now doing it exactly right? the priesthood of all believers in action right yeah that's great well one last topic for you then and that is the importance of the pastor as the champion of small groups why, why is it so important for pastors to be that champion if small group ministry is going to be vital in a church I just had another staff person in my office a few minutes ago saying exactly that same thing. <laughs> she said, you know, I can come up with all the programs that I can and I can have all the good graphics and I can market it. But unless you say it, <laughs> and I think pastors sometimes underestimate the power uh, of their influence. Mm. And um, 
So when we can work things into weekly messages that actually bolster ministries the church is trying to accomplish, uh, it's just powerful. And so, I mean, we intentionally preach about small groups maybe two or three times a year, but I work in small groups Mm -hmm. often into messages as examples. I work in tithing. I mean, I work in all those things that you think are important in the life of a disciple. Um, and you give presence to it by helping people relate to it on a really applicable basis. And it's, it's powerful. You have the biggest voice, no, no question about it. That's right. And, and I think that voice is amplified when a pastor says, not only is it important for you to be in a small group, but to then testify, here's the difference a small group has made for me. Yeah, yeah. And Colleen and I have uh, experienced over the years um, where it is possible to be in small groups and still be the pastor. Hmm. Uh, you know, you don't share the problems you're having with all the staff. <laughs> you, know, all right. you just can't do that. Yeah. But you can be real. Uh, yeah. You can still be real and you can be vulnerable and, my group wants to know all the time, what are, what are some things that stress you out? And what are some things that we can pray about for you? And, you know, all that kind of thing. You can be real. Yeah. You just can't, um, you know, you can't cross the lines of what they shouldn't know about. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. You have to find another venue for that. Yes. Another venue for that. That's right. But, yeah. I mean, whether that's a therapist or <laughs> a, a different small group of pastors or something right. outside the church, right. but yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's helpful. Any last words of wisdom you'd like to, to send, send with us? I just really think uh, small groups can open up your church to growth. And the title of the booklet is uh, Growing Larger by Growing Smaller for a reason, because so many churches get capped off by, we. this is as many as we, one pastor can do pastoral care for, or we just want to know everybody's name, or we don't want to break into two services, whatever it is. And uh, I think you got to give that up for the bigger mission to help people know Jesus and make them known. I think that's a bigger mission. That's why we're in the business we're in. Um, It's not to protect our, our little flock. It's to reach as many people for Christ as possible. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're not in charge of a fiefdom, right? I mean, you're you're there to replace yourself and uh, create other priesthood of believers. Yeah, that's, that's great. Well, Brad, thank you so much for, for the book and for your ministry. And thank you for how this is going to continue to help churches and help people experience abundant life through Christ in small groups. So thank you very much. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it very much. God bless you all. really enjoyed talking again with Brad. Uh, I want to highlight just two points that were key for me, um, and that is the, the need to create relationship bonds and not to jump or to rush into that, right? That intimacy can't be rushed. And in order to do so, it often happens through star- sharing our stories. And, and oftentimes, we get too geared up on what curriculum we're going to use and the contents of the curriculum when really um, as important as those those are, uh, the first need is for building relationships and being intentional about that and giving some guidance to how to build relationships. So, so this is just the introduction. We've got a lot more to go. Uh, the next time we're going to be digging deeper into the whys of small groups with a new guest. And so I look forward to being with you for that. I want to give thanks to those who make this possible. I want to give thanks to Blake, the technical director, Matt Carlisle, the web producer, Steve Horswell-Johnson, the executive producer. 
Look forward to connecting with you. You can find my email address on our website. Our website is umcdiscipleship.org. My email address is shughes at umcdiscipleship.org. You can also find me on Twitter at RevScott'sTweets and at UMCAdultForm for adult formation. And so until next time, peace. Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.